0: Welcome to the 36th episode of Tokyo Alumni Podcast. Today, our guest graduated from the University of Colorado with a bachelor's in economics and an emphasis in international finance and a business minor in financial analytics. During his time at university, he interned at Lockheed Martin and Bale Aerospace, working as a market research analyst and financial planning and analysis intern, respectively. Upon graduating, he moved to Silicon Valley to work in Portfolio Management at Fisher Investments at a Portfolio Implementation Associate. There, he handled the construction of portfolios for high net worth clients primarily located within the EU. In late 2019, he shifted his focus from finance to tech. From there, he prepared for and was accepted to one of the top coding boot camps for full stack software engineering. With three months of pre-boot camp work and three months of rigorous full-time boot camp studies, he graduated from Hack Reactor as a full staff software engineer. Currently, he lives between San Francisco and Tokyo, where he continues to work on software engineering products, primarily for e commerce and fintech applications. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Nick. All right. So, today our topics are basically career choices. Uh, for a young guy, you've pivoted um, throughout, but primarily a two between finance and tech, which we'll get into a bit later. A bit about software development, um, you know, talking about the barrier of entry, and you have this unique experience of boot camp, which is actually mm-hmm. something I uh, know very little about, so hopefully we can get to the nitty-gritties there. And finally, yeah, a topic that um, relates to all international students, uh, this idea of whether or not they should return to Japan. And I think that applies to people regardless of, you know, whether they're Japanese or they have family in Japan. Right. I think everyone always kind of has a longing. one of their career options are, you know, considering what can they do to get to Tokyo. And if so, how go ahead and jump right into career choices Um, in the bio. You mentioned a little bit about Army officer. So I thought maybe that would be a good place to start off with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the first things that happened after I uh, well, I kind of knew I was going into this after I graduated St. Mary's. I didn't exactly have like a pinpointed direction, you know. There wasn't like, um, you know, th- with some people there's a, a career that sticks out to them from a very young age, or they know they want to do something from a very young age, and 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 that's that's very good to have that. It's very positive that that can, you know, they kind of have that in their life. Um, for me, I really didn't know. There was a lot of things I wanted to do. There's a lot of things I wanted to learn about. It was very hard to kind of pinpoint exactly what I wanted to do. And part of that kind of, for whatever reason, led me in early college to do um, army officer training. Um, And this was, you know, when I first went to Colorado, it was also kind of a period in my life where I was becoming a lot more um, kind of active and healthy than I was prior. So that was that kind of played into it a little bit. But my yeah, my first uh, my first year or so in college, Um, You know, I I went into college, you know, it it was it was a it was a normal college program. And it was kind of like an accessory to what you do in college, I'd be taking the regular college courses. But you know, in the mornings from uh, five to eight, or whatever, five to seven, there'd be the training periods. And and, and I kind of thought at the time, that's what I wanted to do. Right. So that was kind of the first, first period of my life. I was like, okay, this, this is kind of something I want to do. Rather than this is you know something passionately that I want to do, so that's kind of how that started off. But from there, you know, I, I went through all the different changes that I you know we'll we'll go over it uh, at some point. But yeah, that that's that's kind of the
0: the basis of that that army officer training um, kind of stage of my life. So when you were um, you know interning in the summers, like Lockheed Martin, obviously very yeah. connected to the U.S. military throughout that process. At what point did you decide to sort of make that first pivot so from army officer to uh, the finance area? Although I know it seemed like what you already did with Lockheed was already overlapping a little bit with finance.
1: Yeah, um, it, it did overlap a little bit. So actually um, before, uh, before I did those internships is kind of where this pivot happened. As I you know, went through my first year and a half in college, thankfully after a lot of discussion, not just with my parents, but with a lot of parents of friends here in Tokyo, you know, parents that have made successful businesses here or they've worked for banks. Um, I've also I also spoke to a lot of um, parents and, and, you know, senpai that work in consulting and whatnot here in Japan. And so I, I, I got a wide scope of different career fields and that really that really helped me get a real grasp of i want to say uh, more business related careers it's it's kind of like i, I guess it's part of uh, the international school experience that there's going to be a lot of people in finance a lot of people in consulting you know especially a lot of the, the foreign parents uh that come to tokyo so i got i got good exposure to that and that really shows the importance of you know the alumni network and alumni parents networks uh so and just speaking to them, learning about these things—that's kind of what pivoted me in college to switching from the track I was on to then taking more business-oriented courses, switching to economics, taking more finance-related courses. And it was after those courses that, by um, by whatever you know, interviewing uh, you know, interviewing skills that I had, I was able to get into Lockheed Martin without any prior real experience, you know, within the industry. So that's kind of how that pivot happened at, at, at the very core of it was um, a lot of intense discussion with alumni of uh, international schools here and also with their parents and then pivoting over to that job.
0: And then you, you graduate and you know, you have this econ degree, as well as a bachelor's in, e- in economics, emphasis in international finance, and a business minor in financial analytics. So totally that finance route, right? Totally. That economics around yeah. you go into uh, Fisher Investments. Um, that transfer from Colorado to California. Um, how how did that happen? Um, was that a challenge? First of all, like moving from Colorado to California. How did that process work?
1: The 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 biggest challenge there, and and you know this is this is something that's uh, going to happen to to a lot of people that graduate college and have to move somewhere. Is you know when coming from Japan after graduating high school and then going into college, that was a whole different experience because, you know, you're in that environment where it's very easy to meet a lot of new people. It's very social. You know, you're at a younger age and and there's a lot more um, opportunities to make new friends very quickly and, and, you know, have fun very quickly. Uh, You know, you're excited, you're in a new place. That excitement was there in terms of, okay, I'm finally, you know, working full-time in my first real position. This is, you know, real tangible finance. This isn't just you know, learning finance in a, in a lecture hall. Um, but I, I think the biggest challenge of it was uh, going from a place where I was so rooted already, like I had spent five years there, right? So I, I took an extra year to do, you know, the international uh, finance emphasis and the finance or the financial analytics minor, So I was there for five years. And so going to San Francisco, the challenge was, you know, navigating, you know, a bigger place. With you know a few family members that I did have there, very few family members, uh, and kind of getting my bearings there, uh, being able to navigate a new cal- navigate a new space because California is you know very uh, um, spread apart in terms of the geographically, so it's not very easily accessible. Like you know in 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 Japan um, in Tokyo at least, and even in Boulder to some extent, it's you know you have the very, uh, a lot more ease of access wherever you want to go, you know, whether it's train or public transport, a little different in California. So it, at, at times, I think the biggest challenge for me there was, you know, kind of feeling far apart. Mm. Um, so that that was one challenge. In terms of, of the career challenge, there wasn't much uh, initially because it was kind of like that expectation of, you know, you're a new college graduate, your real training into like a real finance role full-time is going to begin. So Career-wise, there wasn't as much of a challenge as there was, for me, kind of more on the social aspect of it.
0: Interesting. And, you know, you're dealing with these portfolios, you said clients primarily from the EU. And at what point, if there was one, was there sort of a pivotal moment where you're like, okay, because right now, I mean, obviously you're on a very smooth track in the world of finance. What made you change your mind and go fully into sort of the boot camp slash tech slash engineering?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's funny you mention that because that's that's something that I, I I really wanted to bring up. Um, so I I was already working uh, about a year focusing primarily on um, U.S. portfolios at Fisher Investments, and then about a year in, kind of with my performance and with the progression, I was able to transition over to European portfolios. And during that course, it it. You know, I I learned a lot, especially within that first year. I learned a lot about you know European finance within the first couple months of me switching to that you know that very EU portfolio-heavy role. It's the most I had learned about the stock market, and um, you know just being able to trade my own portfolio, right? And just you know knowing uh, whatever this and that about the market. You know, discussing it with friends, discussing with like one of my coworkers who I end up who I still live with in SF. So. Lifelong connections were made in that process, but the, the, the point at which I wanted to switch over, um, it, there wasn't really exactly one point as much as it was kind of what I have figured out to be, I guess, the Silicon Valley effect. And that's mm. the constant exposure to that tech and kind of being around those people. As I became more and more social, met more people there, met people who were, you know, at Google, Facebook, every, every tech company you can name, every startup, you get more and more exposed to kind of their world, what different skills they have, what different things they're learning. This, this actually kind of goes back uh, further to college where I had a fear of coding, right? I had this, and I, I know a lot of people have this too, but I had a fear of coding. I, I knew a lot of software engineers in college. I would see it. Um, and you, know, you look at this wall of green text or wall of white text on a black background and it looks very intimidating, right? Um, compared yeah. to kind of like the, com- the comfort of Excel or something like that, you know, like Yahoo Finance, that kind of thing. So you look at this this black screen with wider green text, and it's very intimidating. And so I think the, the point that it, it, it started to change was when I was more and more exposed to it on a human level, as opposed to just seeing it on an academic level. When I got to meet people who are very passionate about what they're doing and explain their passion of coding and what they're able to accomplish with it—that's that's kind of um, what I would say is not the singular pivoting point, but the gradual pivoting point is in that that second year of living in SF and being able to speak to people about what they're passionate about in coding, and then um, you know you had you had Kai uh, Kai Hirota on here uh, not too not too long ago, and he was in Santa Clara at the time when I was also living in Santa Clara. So I, I, oh, wow. I lived in SF and I had moved to Santa Clara for a little bit. And, um, you know, I would, uh, I would hang out with him a lot there. And, you know, every time that I'd hang out with him, I'd learn something new about coding. So definitely mm-hmm. he was, uh, he's definitely a big part, you know, of igniting my, my interest and kind of overcoming my fear of coding, you know, learning from him and learning from people similar to him who are just, you know, very well versed, whether it's in data science or software development that that's kind of where that shift happened and that that overcoming of that fear happened and so yeah that's that's where that that swing happened in 2019
0: yeah so then you you know you make this choice to go to boot camp which is um it's actually it's a rather new concept to me right instead of going back to school for a year how how does this boot camp work like how, how do you get accepted and you know secondly what does the schedule look like i mean i'm assuming as the name suggests, it's not like regular college
1: yeah yeah um yeah exactly it's 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 quite different so so the process is um for for the boot camp that I did uh I know they they advertise themselves and they kind of present themselves not as a you know a a lot of to go back a lot of people have this conception this idea that boot camps are zero to one hundred, you know you start as a complete noob and you come out like a coding genius it's Less so that it's much less so that than opposed as opposed to it more realistically being kind of like a 50 to 200, you know. Mm. So they want you to be at a, a comfortable level of coding that they don't have to kind of spoon feed you things, and then you come out very well versed in that language. Um, so the process is there is an admissions exam, you know, they have they have uh, every so months they have like a cohort, like a class basically. And so mm-hmm. you you know you sign up for an exam. I I had signed up for an exam for uh, February, and um, and once you pass that exam, then there's a couple weeks in between before that actually starts. And in those weeks, you still even then have some pre-course material. In my mm-hmm. boot camp, you know they made us uh, code a couple um, code a couple websites, do a couple challenges, that kind of thing to make sure. Yeah, you know you didn't like. cheat the test or whatever it can be, right? So yes, there's the test and then you do a couple assignments that were, uh, you're kind of thrown into it. There's a very heavy emphasis on autonomy um, and and kind of self-learning. They really want to emphasize that there's not a lot of spoon feeding here. You got to learn a lot of it um, through your own willpower and your own kind of curiosity. And after you finish, uh, you know, those, those, that assigned work, it started for me in um, March. And the schedule is something unlike I've done academically before, because, you know, it was supposed to be in person. But obviously, with what went on, they transitioned to zoom, and it was very well done over zoom. But the the, the time frame was still the same. It's uh, on weekdays, it was nine to eight, so 9am to 8pm. And that was every day except Saturday. So Saturdays was nine to uh I believe nine to five. Yeah. So Saturdays was nine to five. And then Sunday was the off day. So yeah, yeah, six days a week. Um, you know, they're really they're really cramming like a like as much of a of a computer science, like software development education into that small space.
0: So what I'm curious is during these three months um where you know you're in this hardcore Uh, It was at 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. Those three months, are these classmates of yours, are a lot of them about your age group? Are they not working for those three months? Because I feel like that, uh, just just to add a background for myself, right? I'm I'm international teaching, and I've actually had probably my career, at least 15 to 20 international school kids come to me being like, I want to change careers. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I like what you're doing. Basically, only one I know has actually made the switch. And the main reason was um, just that transition, right? The time it takes to get a teaching license, uh, they yeah. got to quit their job and so on. So in that sense, this three months does seem a lot more doable. Uh, but at the same time, if, if you're like 40 with a mortgage, right? And you got to pay for your kids' braces or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's not going it's, to pay itself. So is it mostly right. young people? You know, what, what was the cohort like?
1: My cohort was um, varied then from my understanding of most cohorts, but there were still, there was people in, uh, who were just out of college. There were people who I believe had not even gone to college. They're doing this as their education. Um, And, you know, there were people who were already parents in their thirties. So there's, there's a wide range. There's no real one major group. I don't think they, you know, they really want to go for like, oh, just college graduates or people who aren't in college yet, right? They go for people all walks of life who kind of want to transition into this career space, um, which I think is great. You know, it, it's, it's kind of one of the, the key things is that you have the ability to, um, to learn this, this very modern, very um, hot skill at mm-hmm. any stage in your life. And, um, you know, in, in, in regards to the, the person, you, the hypothetical you mentioned of someone who has to, you know, still work, maybe have to pay off a mortgage, it, it takes longer, but the same bootcamp, at least that I did, and I know a lot of bootcamps will offer this, they'll offer night courses, similar to like a, like a master's program. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do have, they do have night courses. And, um, you know, it's very viable option for, people who want to acquire that new skill, whether it's the one that I did for software development, or, you know, there's ones for data science. And, you know, there's even boot camps coming out for, for digital marketing, that kind of thing. So I think, I think this method of education is really shaking up and will continue to shake up the the postgraduate method by which people learn new skills and learn um, tangible real skills, as opposed to just going to college for a piece of paper, you know?
0: yeah that's um yeah. I, I love that model um I, I do see it in some focus classes uh, for teaching um, although we don't call it boot camp and you know as you said um, sometimes I think we forget in college just how open our schedule was I feel like at yeah. the average college yeah. schedule two hours you know ten to twelve and then a one hour course five to six so that yeah. model doesn't make much more sense and so when it's all done though what what exactly uh is the paper or certificate that one would receive upon completion of these boot camps. Yeah,
1: I mean, you get you get uh, you get a certificate of completion for the boot camp. The way that the boot camp is is, it's not about again, it's not about that paper, right? It's not about the certificate. I think more more so in the U.S. because it's one of the better it's one of the better boot camps, specifically known in the U.S. as opposed to the world. You know, it's not so much that certificate that oh, you did a boot camp that matters. It's what you accomplished in the boot camp that is what you'd show to a recruiter, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I got out of it. And it's it's again that philosophy of a- autonomy. What did you learn out of it? What were you able to develop out of it? Um, how much did you learn? And you know, even now, there's still continual um, meetings that I have with cohort uh, with my cohort mates over Zoom. Um, you know, we share. Uh, different coding problems, that kind of thing, just things to challenge each other. And, uh, you know, the alumni network, even for this bootcamp is great. There's, there's channels for that where people can discuss, um, anything from their predictions for the rest of 2020s hiring in tech up to the stock market, up to, you know, where, or, or, you know, just alumni within tech guiding other, uh, younger students, you know, people who are in their forties and fifties guiding people in their twenties, how to handle the, um, the equity options that these tech companies give, you know, how to handle their portfolios. So it's, it's a huge, uh, a, a mix of what goes on after you graduate, as opposed to just getting the paper, you know, there's a lot of uh, career guidance, there's a lot of um, autonomy, I think, I think one of the biggest things that I learned throughout the bootcamp isn't just, you know, it's not just JavaScript, it's not just, you know, SQL, these languages, um, I think it's the ability to absorb new languages and a of, uh, I, I gained a better ability to learn new languages. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, uh, the adage of like, you know, give a man a fish, or, you know, teach him how to fish. Um, mm. And so, so the, the big focus is
0: on, you know, teaching how to fish so you can keep learning. That's so exciting that that option exists. And I, mean, I think it connects well into, you know, one of the other topics we were touching, we're going to touch upon you know, work in Japan, right? And I feel like a lot of people, um, you know, they start their jobs and they're just stuck, right? They're stuck. And when I say stuck, maybe we're talking about 20 years, talking about five years, a year. But I think people don't realize that there's those options. And yeah, these boot camps, um, hopefully it's not going to be just limited to engineering or not engineering, but uh, 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 coding. um, Coding, yep. And uh, hopefully it can also encompass other areas. Um, But anyways, going back to sort of to Japan, um, a topic um, you wanted to discuss on air, and it's also a topic I'm very, uh, I like to talk about a lot, is this idea of returning to Japan, right? the pros and cons. You sort of go back and forth, but your primary base is the States. So what has been sort of your journey in regards to going back to Japan or not, and how you've basically strategized your career in regards to international travel?
1: I do want to preface this by saying that, you know, I, I do have the like privilege of being a U.S. citizen, so I do have that ability to work in the U.S. a lot um, easier. Pretty much, I, I can work in the U.S., right? So just want to preface with that. Um, In, in terms of my, my work base, my work base has been the U.S., but I still feel as though Tokyo, this house, is still my real base, you know? It's always somewhere that I come back to. And so in terms of, you know, life and career, I think this resonates a lot with a lot of international students coming from Tokyo is, you know, that there's no place like Tokyo in the world. And, and I feel like a lot of it, it's very um, from who I've talked to and who I've interacted, it's very, very 50, 50, you know, there's people who either they know they want to live in Tokyo or there's people who don't want to live in Tokyo um, mm-hmm. from, from what I've experienced, right. There's no people that I've met that are kind of like, Oh, I, I it would be okay if I could live in Tokyo. It's like very much like, Oh, you know, Every like growing up in Tokyo, love it here, or you know I want to go somewhere else, right, so for me, I definitely fall into the category of I would love to stay here, you know, my parents are here, friends are here, it's a great place to have a family long term that kind of thing, right um in terms of career, though again, like during that during that phase of my life where I was pivoting to business and pivoting to finance. Speaking with a lot of senpai, a lot of their parents, I got a lot of insight into kind of different career paths that they took before coming to Japan or, you know, paths that led them to Japan, um, you know, whatever they did in their corporate culture or, or corporate life or their own business before coming to Japan or before kind of permanently shifting to Japan. And I think the biggest things that I learned is that, you know, while it can be great to be here, sometimes the... best thing for your career growth is going to interject with where you want to be right and and that doesn't just apply with tokyo right it applies to you know whatever geographical location that you might want to be that might be more suitable for you in terms of the social aspect of it right kind of going back to what i said about when i shifted to sf and felt very socially detached for a little period you know for like a month or so but I think the, the bigger picture that a lot of students, especially coming out of college, need to look into is they really need to look into more of the, the career growth. I think, I think we both know, and, and, and a lot of um, you know, international alumni will know, that the career growth in most Western countries is a lot more friendly to younger people than it would be in Japan. Um, the abil- yeah, the ability to kind of scale that ladder is a lot better in the US than. It would be in Japan, or you know, in Europe, even. than it would be in Japan, and I think a lot of people forget that at times.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I, I could just sort of add on my personal experience. When I graduated, I was uh, so this was back in '09, a terrible time to graduate because right, of Lehman. <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah, I was looking for jobs, and like you, um, I wanted to go to Japan. But unlike you, I wasn't quite thinking the long game. I was just so determined. I'm going to Tokyo. And I could still recall the, uh, you know, the Gishu, right, the monthly salaries for mm-hmm. fairly decent companies. We're talking like Sony and stuff. And sure it's gone up a little bit, you know, now it's been 10 years, but it was something like Nijuman a month. You know, that's, mm. that's like $700. That, that's like working at McDonald's, you know. And yeah. It was just, and, you know, even within that ecosystem, that growth in regards to climbing the vertical ladder, is just, it's not there. Sure, if you stay there 10 years, maybe you'll eventually... You know, get yeah. promoted management, but you got to basically work there ten years, doing very remedial stuff. And I'm, and I'm sure there's exceptions. But I recall, you know, especially now being a bit older and being a bit more observant of how careers have progressed. Um, I, I definitely see the, this this thing you're talking about. How, I um, even just within my own group of friends, I, I could see a lot of people who are overseas instead said just have these opportunities that don't pose themselves in, in Japan in their 20s, um, especially uh, female employees. And that's a whole nother topic, but, but that seems to be the yeah. trend. So when you say like, um, you know, staying abroad first and then coming back, sort of what type of conversations have you had with other alums in regards to at what point of their career they decide to return back to Tokyo?
1: I think one recurring thing um, that comes up when I when I this with different people, is again that kind of what we already mentioned is that uh, that quick verticality. You know, in in the U.S., for example, or even in um, I've spoken to some people who've worked in finance in England, in London, the ability to transition from an entry level position. You know, uh, in finance, it would be an analyst, you know, a junior analyst to senior analyst, and then associate to VP. That transition happens. So much quicker than it would in Japan, right? And and you know Japan's it, it's getting better in terms of that um, that very strict hierarchical structure that's based on age, um, but in in the West and in, in the U.S. it's it's a lot. You have you have kind of yearly reviews that can lead to massive promotions very quickly, right? Not just salary wise, but in terms of taking on more responsibility, being able to say that you took on more responsibility. Um, and so that's one one aspect of if you get to work abroad, you know if you get to work in the west or um u you know, s or Europe. The other aspect is from everything that I've read online and everything I've spoken to people with about the learning opportunities in the u s within a role, again, it kind of goes in with that quicker uh quicker transition to more responsibilities you know you have that ability to learn newer tasks, kind of absorb um You know whatever newer functions a lot quicker and that all ties into the ability of probably getting into a managerial role quicker or getting into a more a a role that allows you to be um almost like a consultant you know Mm -hmm. getting to a point of being a consultant for a business that's based in the west but they want to operate in japan you know and they'll give you higher value as opposed to if you start at the same company within japan right out of college you're going to be in a much different position because they're going to hire you. They're, you're going to be working within that purely Japanese environment or semi-international environment as opposed to kind of this this idea that companies have is, okay, he he or she, um, they progressed very quickly in the U.S. You know, they can help us out here. And you're going to be in a much better off position and they're going to be looking at you not within that same hierarchy regardless of your age. So that's that's kind of my understanding from everyone i've spoken to it's kind of my goal right now um and know, you know things might change in terms of geographically with all the remote work going on right now i might get to work from here remotely to the u.s but um in terms of what you know what i've learned is is that's the key takeaway that you have a better ability to grow in other environments and and that's just kind of like a fact of of
0: most japanese hiring procedures great point and not only just that different environments but also i think you gain much more insight in regards to different you know the way different businesses is handled by living abroad and you see that in in teaching as well you know it's usually the teachers that have multiple countries on their you know cv that are more coveted than someone who's just been in one country for like 20 years Mm. it's kind of like you know where, where there's no challenge you know it, it seems yeah. like they sort of snuck in and stayed there so you're still age 26 but you've already made this big career change right from finance to tech and i think a lot of people do want to make career changes in their 20s but they often don't have the you know they don't have the guts or they don't have the resources they're worried about you know they've already built maybe enough of a reputation in their current industry so what would be your advice towards people who you know are thinking about career change in their 20s? I think that's
1: not something to be afraid of. A lot of people, you know, like you mentioned, they're afraid of that making that switch. They don't they don't know how to kind of make that real, um, real decision. You know, it's not it's not necessarily like a one day decision. OK, I'm going to switch over. Like for me, you know, as, as I mentioned, it was gradual. Um, but during that gradual period, as that feeling of wanting to switch grew, you know, I had to obviously I'm going to go through this period of education that's going to take time and money. So that's when I started to kind of save up. Um, so, so it's a gradual process. And I think it, it requires a lot of introspection and a lot of research, obviously. Um, what a lot of people um, that I know who have wanted to make career switches, or they want to even shift jobs, they go through this period of very quick excitement of like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to, you know, get this, get this done. I want to switch careers. And then they might go through a period in their life where they're so busy that it kind of fades away. That idea fades away. I know for a fact, I almost had that kind of situation happen to me where, you know, going through a very busy period, um, you know, you know, working in finance for me, it was when whatever a big movement happens in the stock market and work for the next month is a huge mess or whatever. Right. Eventually I kind of honed, honed that out. Right. You know, I stayed on top of that and, put a bigger focus on what I wanted to do in the long term. You know, as, as cliche as that sounds, it, it does require a lot of introspection and and looking into every available option, you know, and whether for me, you know, it took me months before I actually did make the switch. So whether it's a switch that someone wants to make a month from now, from from whatever they're feeling or a year from now, that's another thing they need to kind of make a timeline for themselves because that way they can be more realistic about it. You know, they might not think, Oh, I can't be an engineer next month or I can't be a data scientist next month. Uh, Should I really go through this? It's, you know, there needs to be a realistic timeline set up, you know, looking into the options, you know, if they want to switch to coding, what's the next bootcamp I can take, you know, will I be able to sustain myself for that, that kind of thing. Um, And I think in terms of overcoming the fear portion of it, there really shouldn't be any fear of, you know, switching careers and, you know, even for me, for example, there's still a little bit of finance aspect to it because I do want to work in fintech. I want, I want to keep working on fintech projects, right? So it's not, like, it's not like, at least for me, I'm not completely removing the finance portion out of it. And it might be that way for a lot of people. You know, every career brings with it lessons that you can take to the next one, right? Mm-hmm. As again, as cliche as that sounds, you know, if, if people want to switch careers, they're still going to have valuable things they learned in their previous one. You know, no matter how different it is, they're gonna have something to bring. So that that fear of oh, I, I I'm too too old or I've done this for too long that I can switch. I think it's it's you know it's very irrational and it's um it's something that that should be kind of nipped in the bud. It's it's just the kind of thing that I would just say like ignore it, just completely ignore it, and and start looking into whatever new thing you're curious about because that curiosity is gonna have a snowball effect, and you're gonna look into more more and more options as that snowball effect keeps going and that's going to open up more doors and that's going to motivate you into making that
0: switch yeah that's that's it's quite inspirational to hear you know from younger people i think the younger generation especially where you're located right silicon valley i was just googling the other day the average age at facebook is 29 now so if you're yeah. over 30 you're old yeah. <laughs> and i'm pretty yeah. so like i've always sort of been rather <laughs> self-deprecating in regards to leadership positions, because schools, as you know, are kind of the opposite of Silicon Valley. Schools, have, you know, in regards to worldwide, they just, they move slower. You know, the way management works is also a lot more slower because often government gets involved. It wasn't until, um, I, I don't mean to deviate too much from our, our topic of, uh, you know, finance and tech, but uh, uh, there's this guy, Pete Buttigieg or Buttigieg, however mm-hmm. you say his name, he was running. It's not like I was a supporter, but he was 37. And then I realized, yeah. oh, like we would be in high school about the same time and he's running for president. So like, we're going into an age where I think it's more about meritocracy, right? More about exactly. ability. And obviously, you know, experience matters, right? Like I'm still a big Warren Buffett guy. Um, and, you know, I, I respect like, 60 years or whatever of experience. Yeah, But there's also this new age coming in, right? Where we have guys who are 37 running for president. We have guys who are, you know, 30 running uh, one of the biggest social media sites in the world. So, um, yeah, it, it's very inspiring. And um, I want to conclude this podcast with asking you what is to come in the next few years, the next few decades?
1: For me, for the next, uh, you know, starting with the short term is, you know, I, I'm I, out of this boot camp, you know, with the ability to to learn new languages, short term for me, I want to continue to learn more languages separate from what I learned in the boot camp. And keep working on projects. Um, I think that's something that I've found to be extremely enjoyable is just creating, um, creating new things, whatever it may be. Uh, So one thing I'm working on right now is uh, it's a health application called Kinko, and it it focuses on um, nutrition for longevity and kind of algorithmically generated uh, meals and meal plans um, specifically centered for longevity. So that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And uh, more more midterm, um, I am, you know, looking for a formal job back in Silicon Valley as well, alongside kind of working on my own projects and working on my own uh, coding coding endeavors. So, uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe a decade from now, the ideal would be uh, being back in Japan. And hopefully, I want to see this as more, more of a friendly startup culture in Japan. That's a whole other topic, but, you know, I want to see a more friendly startup culture in Japan and more startups kind of budding here in Japan, kind of the same way that, it does in Silicon Valley. Uh, I think the potential is there. And I, I really want to be part of that that environment in Japan in the future.
0: That sounds really exciting. Kenko, right? Do, do you know yeah. when um, the timeline is for when about when you want to be done with that project? Um. I So it actually started off with uh, the boot camp
1: where, you know, we were given two days to build something that we're passionate about. And so in two days, I got that I got that done. But that was a very, uh, very basic stage of it. And from that point on, I'm looking at it more so of like, you know, this might not ever be done, this is just going to be continually evolving. When I publicly release it, you know, that that I'm not sure yet. Um, I think I still want to learn a little more other languages that I can incorporate, you know, right now, it's, it's a couple languages, a couple database languages involved with it. But I think within the next year, I want to get it out there, and then after that, it's just going to be kind of like a passion project. Just keep going, regardless of where I work full time, you know whatever big tech company I'm or startup I work for, I, this is still something that's like on the side. I just want to keep adding to
0: keep adding new functionalities to that ah, sounds really exciting. Yeah. Ten years later, so twenty thirty you'll be in Tokyo, probably I'll be in Tokyo then, so uh, yeah, we can have a, have a ten year later interview or something like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, inspired you know and uh you yeah. be an exciting thing again this is the beauty of this is you know it's it's online right so it's uh yeah it will be there hopefully if YouTube's go yeah. around I, I think they will be there. i'm sure i'm sure it'll be yeah i hope so <laughs> all right so yeah it was uh nice nice uh, to see you and um yeah let's let's have that uh 10 years is a bit much let's say one year later maybe <laughs> one year later, maybe first. yeah
1: yeah yeah i'm sure I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be able to uh, catch up again in a year.